Today's episode is a fun one. I had what I like to call the tag team duo of EHR implementers. Charles and Aisha, you can tell, have a long professional history together. And so I brought them in to talk about what they did a little over six years ago, where they took a number of facilities from paper to paperless, and they moved everyone over to an EHR. And they did it quickly. And we talk about what they would do differently. We talked about who was the last person to buy in, what were the challenges and training, and where were the greatest benefits, the buckets. And they belong to a unique user group in an EHR called Experience Care. And we dive into the importance of having a community with whatever EHR tool you're using and what they get from that. So join me today as we talk about the scope of their program and where they had the most success and benefits for their entire team. We get into online training and where EHR needs to go and what KPIs and dashboards look like. So no matter whatever your EHR solution is, I'm certain that you will love this, whether you are on paper, if you're paper light, if you are a little bit hybrid and not fully integrated, or if you are as full into an EHR as they are, today's episode will be a delight. Thank you so much. This episode was brought to you by experience.care, the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit experience.care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today. Hello, and welcome back to LTC Heroes. I'm your host, Peter Murphy-Lewis. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we've got a great episode in store. Today, I'm joined by Charles Oliver, who has worked in many different roles in our industry, from LPN to Director of Nursing, Reimbursement Consultant, and Informatics Director, most recently at Care Centers Management Consulting. While today he's the Director of Customer Success at Experience Care, a leading EHR solution that dates back to 1969, I specifically asked him to join us for his work that he did with Aisha Bradley, also in the informatics area at Care Centers. She previously has moved all around in long-term care, and her current title is Quality Assurance Informatics Records Technician Consultant Nurse at Care Centers. And a little bit about Aisha, she's been an LPN for 14 years and has always worked in long-term care, as I mentioned. Within a year of starting as a charge nurse, she began training for the MDS coordinator position. After four years in that position, Aisha changed to care centers management, where she was soon moved into the RN assessment nurse position. Currently, she's working in the main consultant office as a QA informatics assistant. Thank you both for joining me. And today, I'm going to go all around the world in talking about EHR, because I know that you two are a tag team duo <laughs> in taking care centers from paper to paperless. And to kind of get the ball rolling, I'm going to throw it to you, Charles. If you could give an, a very, very simple definition of what is an EHR and what does it do for a long-term care facility? Simplest definition, it depends on your role a little bit. So if you're a business office, it's kind of the money piece. If you're a nurse, it's your chart. And if you're a doctor, same thing. So it becomes central to everything we do as far as taking care of the patient. And from what we put in it comes your reimbursement and everything else that's out there. Are there still facilities today that are paper or is EHR now a requirement? So it's not a requirement. I think we're probably headed that direction soon. I think if you want to be efficient, get good outcomes on your patients and, and don't leave any money on the table. 
it's becoming a requirement in those in that sense. Aisha, from your point of view, you started off in long-term care on paper, and today you work 100% paperless. From your position in the, your role as an LPN, how did it affect your day-to-day? And based on Charles' definition, what did it do for you as a nurse? Once I got over the initial shock of nothing being on paper anymore, it's way more efficient. It's, it's very everything's at your hands. There's no more running back to the nurse's station to get a chart. There's no more having to look something up through page by page. It's right there. You can be in the middle of a med pass and you can look up someone's past medical history immediately. So it's kind of made your day more efficient and more productive. You get more time with your residents. Charles, on the financial side of things, can you explain what an EHR does for the per diem prospective payment system and kind of the different ways that we might use that term, whether PDPM or RUGS? So really a big change happened in 2019. And we went from a prospective payment system called RUGS. And in the RUGS system, all that really mattered was an ADL score. That's all nursing really contributed and then therapy minutes given. And from a skilled standpoint, that's how you got paid. So in 2019, we changed over to a different PBS system, prospective payment system called HIPS. And so that's PDPM. You get a little bit different score, but this score encompasses the patient a lot bigger. And so what we chart, what we do, the diagnosis is that we care plan and, and we take care of all impact the money now. And, and therapy is still a big piece of it because outcomes matter, but it's less of a driver of the actual dollars. There's some 200 and I believe 19 things on the MDS now that all relate back to care that affect how much money you get. When care centers called you about six years ago, right, more or less, did they know right at that point that they needed to go from paper to paperless or is that something you discovered with them? They knew the problem they had is they tried to implement an EHR before and they weren't able to kind of make it happen in a way that they could manage 10 buildings who were spread across two states. And what they wanted to be able to do was figure out which building needed their help the most because you know resources get tight and the EHR was the solution to that. So from a high level and down to a facility level, that was the need they were trying to fill is we need to know who to take care of and, and what they need. And when we couldn't do that with paper systems, it was too laborious. What did having 10 facilities have to do with that challenge of implementing the previous EHR option? So I've been a regional nurse in both worlds, in paper and computer. And in paper, I would ask my buildings to send me a bunch of reports each week. So it made more work for them. I had to get a wound report. I had to get weight loss reports. And so it was more work for them to get that to me. It was also more work for me to figure out who was broken in what area. And with an electronic health record, you have different things like dashboards, and you can pull different reports. And I didn't have to bug anybody at facility level to take their time away from the patients. And I was also able to real quickly on one dashboard kind of compare, okay, well, this building's struggling with weights and this and that, and where this building's just struggling with weights. So I would do the weight one remotely, but I might need to do an on-site with the one that had three problems. And so that's how I could help really was impacted. And beyond... <laughs> The initial challenge of, of what you just stated, why care centers brought you in, did you have an idea of the scope of the project or how long it was going to last? And then just so you know where I'm going to go with the next question, how did you meet Aisha and then what role did she play in that, the scope of that project? 
I kind of knew the scope of the project. They didn't expect how fast I felt like we could do it. And they were nervous. And that kind of came, came comes up against what I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about is you got to rip the paper from the nurse's hands to get it away from them because we have comfort in that. And so I kind of knew, and they went real slow at first, but as we picked up speed, then that's where Aisha came in picture. I needed to help her. And Aisha was actually the MDS nurse in, in the first building that I chose as my project building. It was close to the main office. I could be there every day. And Aisha embraced the system right away. She saw that value really quick. And informally, she became kind of the trainer inside the building. And eventually, I recommended a position called a quality assurance nurse. And she was actually the model I built that on by how she taught the system and made things happen in the buildings. The EHR that you implemented, which is where you currently work at Experience Care, was that what the stakeholders and decision holders and owners told you to work with? Or did you get to choose a new one? So, so they didn't get to choose. It was, they were already invested in on the financial billing side. So it made sense to see what the other models could do and work through it. And uh, one of the interesting things and why I came on board with them when my project care centers was done is because they really listened to what I needed and they gave us the tools we needed in long-term care to kind of make things happen. So in places where it was a deficit, they made up for it. And I think you'll find all HRs have deficits, but their, their ability to fix those problems or you know, help move it forward made a big difference, made that easy. That's always a question you have to ask when you're trying to implement the EHR is, can it meet my needs? And if they're not willing to, to get you there, then you might have to make that decision. Was this the first time you'd taken on a project, like kind of as a consultant and implementing computers across the board? So I had done it once before with another company as a regional and kind of the nurse geek. So uh, we had rolled out American Health Tech. It was a hybrid situation at that point where they only wanted certain modules. We still kept charts. This is the first time I got to really push for paper light or paperless. I call it paper light because you still have to scan some things. On the other side, I did have to implement a different system as a DON. And it was also kind of, it was that was the rip the bandaid off method. They just said, you're going to do all this starting on the first. That was chaos too. When you started at care centers and you met Aisha, you weren't necessarily doing a new project, but you were working with a new technological solution for you. So it was new. The facilities was new. Aisha was new. So you guys were learning to work together, but also you were working with a new technological solution, experience care. Is that right? So what was it about Aisha that made you feel that she was going to be a fit for the role and I'm trying to understand it from the high level. Like, obviously, I'm interested in understanding Aisha, but if there's another facility who's doing the same or a long-term care management company that's about to acquire 10 facilities and has to do, what does Aisha look like on a job description? What did her week one look like when you guys are going after these facilities and helping them become paper light? So, so Aisha's are rare, so I'd say that. <laughs> oh, so there's no job description? <laughs> well, there is. I feel like I'm a teacher. Aisha is definitely a teacher. You've got to have somebody who sees the benefit to the patient if we adopt these systems. And that's the only way you can sell this to your nurses is you got to know that this is going to help your patients at the end of the day. They don't care about reimbursement or any of that. So, so Aisha fit the bill. She, one, she's, she's sharp. She's technical enough to understand it's the computer, but it's also the chart. And this also drives care. And that's a message that's hard to get across. And if you can't, if you just go to a nurse and say, well, you need to do it this way, they got to know why I need to do it this way. 
And so I actually was really good at communicating with them. And she was patient too. Although there were days we were just like, ah, we would kind of bounce off our walls together and commiserate, you know, at the end of the day. But she's very patient and you have to be to get a nurse to change this much. So Aisha, when the project started, were you already 100% familiar with the EHR or did you learn it your first facility at the same speed you were teaching it? Well, we were using a, being MDS at that facility, we were actually using a portion of it for our care plans. And that was pretty much all, the billing and the care plans was all. So when Charles came in, yes, I was in the class where we sat for two days and he taught us this new EHR system as a normal nurse learning the system for the first time. I'm one of those OCD nurses, so if you put something in front of me, I have to fully understand it and fully be able to. And I asked Charles a lot of questions. We actually bumped heads a couple of times. I'm like, why can't it do this? Why won't the system do this? Which then made me start navigating it myself. And I was like, I'll figure it out. And we kind of just, it was a journey. But <laughs> What was the biggest challenge for you at the beginning, Aisha? Was it the teaching side? Was it you getting your head around the why, as Charles said? Or was it the actual technological part, figuring out where the buttons and where things go in, the input? Well, that part of it actually was not bad. The part, being the first facility to have this and, you know, learning it, the hardest part was figuring out, well, we have to have this too. Again, I'm an OCD nurse. So if I'm sitting there and I'm realizing that I don't have an assessment or a pathway to do something that I know by state regulations or by my company policy, we have to do. Then we found a lot of bumps there. That was the initial, okay, well, we have to figure out how we can also get this in the system, which was great with this company because we could create our own assessments and we could create different reports that we know we needed. And kind of a question for either one of you, what did the first day look like in the second day and then the third day? When did you guys start to turn? What did your first struggles look like? And then I want to know kind of when did you guys see the light at the end of the tunnel? And you're like, oh, this is making sense. And we're going to get the team to buy in on this. You want to grab that or be? <laughs> um, I know Charles was actually the one who implemented the first building. I was still just the MDS coordinator at the first building we implemented. But once I did come on, when I moved to the next facility as the QA quality assurance nurse, my first job, the first week was turning this building totally electronic. They were total paper. It was getting the paper out of their hands, hearing the nurses say, well, this would be easier if we just did it on paper. And trying to get them to understand it's not the fact that it would be easier on paper. It's just that you're more comfortable with the paper. But if you just give it time, you'll realize that it's a whole lot easier on the computer. When we finally realized that they kind of grasped that concept, was the first time that we had an issue with the server and we had to go back to paper for about 24 hours. And all we heard was, oh my God, I can't believe we have to go back to paper. And that's what we realized. It, and now they hate paper. So <laughs> it, just to give you an idea of what we did, part of our rollout for a new building, Aisha, that was probably one of our little action steps is we would have to go and remove forms from the filing cabinets because they would try to use them the next day and go, well, I couldn't find it. They would try to default. So we would literally take the forms away. We would go in everybody's office, give us your forms. We would go in the bedrooms, any clipboard we found, we harvested <laughs> the forms. And we had to do that. I even had one DON that had them in the trunk of her car. And <laughs> she would never give them to me. So 
and the administrator walked with her to her car and made her give her forms back to us. That's how, how death grip they have. On yes. I think that makes me want to follow up with a question with an answer you said a couple minutes ago, Charles, which is when nurses understand the why, it's a little bit easier to get the buy-in. How did you explain the why in three or four sentences? And then obviously that has to sink in and you have to show it. You can't just tell it. How did you move from explaining the why in three or four sentences to showing it so you people believed you? Some of the things that helped us were very important. You know, like we can say, you have to answer this question because we need to know that exists so we can get it on this dashboard or, or and send a message now to the whole team saying that the diet changed. You know, a big part of that why, you always have to tie it back is why is that good for the patient or the nurse? That's my best advice for a nurse. Why is it good for the patient? Well, now we have proof we filled the kitchen and they're going to get the right diet. And if they don't, well, now nursing's not in trouble. And that just made our job easier because 99% of the time the diet came out right. And that saves them a trip to the kitchen to get a new trip. So, so I had to tie in kind of patient stuff and time for them. So it's a bit selfish, you know, how's it good for me as a nurse too? Uh, and if you say it saves you time, you got them. When I was preparing for this, I was looking around on the internet and doing research at which of the departments or which of the parts of a facility that are the last to turn to a computer. So I'm interested in, Aisha, in your point of view, what is the last department or last role to buy in? And then, then I'll talk it to the higher level and ask you, Charles, you know, like ownership, who's the person who doesn't see the math? So <laughs> let's start with you, Aisha. Who's the person on the floor that takes the longest to explain it, whether it be their personality or because of their job role? Honestly, in the facility, I would have to say the charge nurse, because again, Anything that changes up their flow of their day that is in long-term care is already jam-packed. They don't have time for it. They don't have time to learn it. They don't have time to want to understand it. They don't have time to, they don't, they just don't have the time. Why do I have to sit in a class? I have to work tonight. Then it's, why do I have to learn how to click this? This takes more time. And so for me, it took the nurses longer because it wasn't until they became efficient themselves with working the system that they started seeing the benefits. You know, I no longer have to go tell the wound care nurse and the DON and the administrator that there's a new skin tear. It's on everybody's dashboard and on everybody's e-assignments. The doctors can even see it. When they realized their communication and getting things done and getting the assistance they needed came faster, then they started buying in. But I would have to say the nurses that are actually working the carts was the hardest to buy in on my side of it. You, Charles, at the administrator or ownership or management level, was there anyone who was hesitant or by the time you showed up, everyone was already 100% ready to go? At the, the management level, they were just afraid to go too fast. So I didn't have any resistance. They knew what they wanted. My timeline would have been like four weeks for a building and they said, well, you're going to take three months. And that's what we took three months on the first building, which was a bonus for me. I got to spend a lot of time and get my systems down. Doctors for me have been the hardest to buy in because one, we've spoiled them as nurses over the years. They come in and we kind of have stuff printed for them. And now it's kind of like, we're going to teach you how to see that yourself. And documenting in the system is challenging for them because they're used to doing quick little notes. So doctors were a challenge. The other part, which department was probably toughest? I don't know if it's so much a department. Sometimes the dietary managers were tough because they do have their own computer system in the back for trade cards and stuff. 
that's changing. Systems are starting to adopt that as experience areas. But it was running meetings with computers instead of charts, I think, was tough. And you're working with real-time data now, and that's tough because before we kind of sat around the table and everybody says, yeah, Miss Smith is doing this, she's doing that. But now we knew in the computer, but we had to look up and talk about it right there. So as a working meeting as opposed to let's talk about people meeting. And that was tough, I think. What do you think, Aisha? That was I agree. So I hear on a regular basis, and I probably hear this through through meetings with you, Charles, is that a certain amount of facilities might be paying for a full EHR, but for some reason they haven't integrated it. It's not, it's more kind of a hybrid or let's say 75% done. What does that look like? What are the parts that aren't integrated? What are the reasons usually? And then your job at Experience Care as director of customer success, you're taking them some, from 75 to 100 or from 65 to 110. Can you tell me what that looks like, kind of that hybrid, not integrated model, and what are the problems? So some of it depends on the size of the company, how integrated they are. But if you're a small, very tiny group, you probably are just doing MDSs because that you have to regulatory. You might be doing your care plans and you might be doing your ADL because that really impacted your reimbursement under PPS back when it was rugs. Now, I think it's hard for them to make the jump on the others. And Aisha kind of hit it a while ago. It's getting nurses off the floor to, to train them how to use it. I don't even know if the acceptance is the biggest barrier today because staffing is so tough. It's a, who's going to pass the meds while, you know, these three nurses are in here learning how to use the system. I think mm-hmm. that's probably our biggest challenge now. I think so most that, people aren't techy enough to do it. So if that's the case, then it's not a lack of understanding the system. It's a time issue. I think it's a time issue in that aspect. And if you're the, the Aisha or the Charles, you've got to step back and look at the processes happening on the floor. And like she said, in that first building, we realized that, oh, we need this process. So we've got to add that. But once you get that first building kind of figured out, you're ready to kind of rubber stamp this across your company. This is for you first, Charles. If you were to go back and do the exact same implementation of an EHR across I think 10 facilities more or less today in 2021, how would you approach it differently? And how would you and Aisha, not only the processes, but the education and the speed of it? So it's hard to say because the world changed in 2019, 2020 with PDPM and then the new breaks. Probably do things a little bit faster than I did. The company was really was cautious and I get that, but it's almost painful to do it a piece at a time. And I think, Aisha, you might agree, by the time we got to that last building, we kind of just, last three or four buildings, we just ripped the Band-Aid off. And we're like, you know, we're doing all this and we're going to make it happen. That was less painful, I think. That I would probably push harder for that. We learned along the way, like starting, when I know I started at one of the facilities that once I was in the QA position, I think from that building to the last couple that we've done, we learned the process of what should be done first. Let's do this in the background and implement these small things first, get the nurses training, get them on it. And then while they're, while we're in the building watching them get going, then we'll start training department managers on what their role is in the system individually. We kind of learned a better way of handling it as we went along to 10 buildings. So by the last, you know, three or four, we kind of had it down pat. I think you bring out a good point there because 
everybody uses the EHR a little bit differently depending on mm. role. And we learned that as we went for sure. In terms of the successful results, like how would you name the buckets? Well, there's going to be one that's efficiency. There's one going to be profitability. Are there any other buckets? Staff satisfaction, I think, is a big piece. They definitely need to understand how it helps them, and it needs to really help them. It can't be extra work, and that's why having dual systems side-by-side is hard, but some stuff on spreadsheets and some stuff in the system. And of those three buckets, where do you see the success first? For adoption, definitely efficiency and having a, a good process in place. Reimbursement's like always going to be a big piece because that's the, the higher level buy-in because you got to pay for all this stuff. So probably those two buckets up front. In terms of reimbursements and profitability, what's the difference, Charles, in terms of revenue between something that is fully integrated, 100% using computers versus someone who's still got 20% or 30% of their workflow on paper, even duplicating some. What does it look like on, on the accounting, on the Excel sheet? Because of PDPM, I would say if you're still on a paper chart, you're probably leaving 25 to 30% of your money on the table. And it, it's just because the MDS nurse either doesn't have the documentation because it's on paper and there's nobody that kind of can force that to happen. Like the computer can remind the nurse to do certain things, but it's also the MDS nurse having time to, to do all of that, get those 219 data points accurate. Aisha, are there any ways that EHR can be more than just a software? Rather, you can configure it to meet your needs and your workflow and make it kind of a partner for, for your work at your facility? I mean, most definitely. It's, I mean, in my role, I see it as a partner in almost any role that you're in in that facility. You can set that system up to alert you to certain different things that you in particular need to be alerted to. You can set your dashboard up individually to things that you particularly want to see. We have set up to where the dashboard is even set up per meeting. You know, if there is a falls meeting every week, the care plan team can sit together, pull up that dashboard, and at a glimpse, without having to grab charts, without having to grab everything else, at a glimpse, they can see who fell, if the assessments are done, if the interventions are in place, if the care plan's been updated, all before where they walk out of that room. So, definitely. <laughs> now, Charles, I know your passion at Experience Care is the dashboard or the KPIs. Can you go back to when you first started to get your hands on the dashboard two or three years ago, what it looked like? And then when you got a grasp of it, what you and Aisha were able to do with it for at care centers? Initially, it kind of came out of the box with some vital signs and things you could link to. It kind of leads back to the user group that Experience has. The user group got to help drive what the dashboard would do. So we got a whole bunch more functionality as we went because we asked for it. The difference is... is monumental having a dashboard that'll show you stuff because before when I first started we would have to because we didn't have the dashboard for maybe a year and a half into the project and you would have to pull like 10 different reports to get ready for stand-up and like she said every data point you need is on this dashboard now so you're not printing paper you could also collate some pieces of information easier you can actually tell your dashboard tell you this person's had this much weight loss in a week and they've ate 50% or less at meals this week. So from a clinician standpoint, that's kind of important that I know that 
And if we were just sitting around talking about the patients, that probably, that correlation wouldn't happen. Does that make sense? But it's just having the data you need in front of you makes such a big difference. And the dashboard is like, it's everything to that. <laughs> I know not everyone has a dashboard with their EHR. And there's not even, there's some people listening to this who might not even, who might be on paper. What did your dashboard look like before you had EHR? Were it post-it notes on top of your charts with different colored pins? So for me, I had a spiral notebook as a DON. And one page would say people with catheters. Next page would say wounds, people with weight loss. Literally, it was that. As I got more computer savvy, it became spreadsheets. But see that secondary work, right? I, I can't just ask the computer to tell me that. I had to type those names in a list. And that's all we had. And that's all a lot of people still have is spreadsheets. And the meetings were getting a cart chart, cart rack, and getting every chart that you need for every resident that you're going to talk about in that meeting and toting all those charts into the meeting and going through each one of them one by one. I forgot about doing that until you just said it. We literally, that's what stand-up would happen. Somebody's job was to go get all the charts that had the information. We would look at the paper 24-hour report to detect which charts, (laughs) and if the night nurse carried that data over, we would have the chart. If they didn't, we didn't know to grab a chart. I forgot all about that. Big change. (laughs) I want to pause on you mentioning the user group, Charles. And the user group is something unique about experience care. And I kind of refer to it as the super group of EHR gurus. And I know Aisha also attends those meetings, but Charles, you first attended it while working at care centers. Then you started to lead it at care centers and now you lead it experience care. What was so unique about that community that you wanted to be involved and then care centers let you lead it for your EHR company? I kind of ended up in the role of hosting the user group. We were at a, it was the first one I got to go to back in the days when we could meet before COVID. They had a experience care, had a deal we could go to as you, as a client. And we were in there and they were saying, we really want to get these user groups restarted. I guess it had fallen off. And anyway, my new boss who I've known about a week, he's like nudging me going, raise your hand, raise your hand. So, so I raised my hand. And so I ended up leading the group. So that was, you know, I didn't expect that. But it was kind of fun. You know, I've been, a, you know, not podcasts, but they didn't exist back then so much, but user groups and stuff I've been a part of. The neat thing about this one was they came to it. It wasn't just users only. I had programmers in there talking to us and everything else. And then once I got to know a few of the other clients, you know, we had communications going behind the scenes. We need to ask them this and that. You know, experience care was, was hungry for feedback because it's hard to get people to reply to emails and questionnaires. We were really verbal in there. They, they acted on it. So that was how it kind of happened. And I was going to try to get another user to do it when I came to experience care, but everybody kind of wanted me to keep doing what I was doing. So that's what I'm doing. Aisha, you, I've also seen you in the user group at least three times. Why do you go to it and what do you get from it? I like going to the user groups because with experience care in particular, they listen to what we want, to how the user itself, like you guys, how do you want this set up? How do you want this to look? And I'm very vocal. If I want something a certain way or if I feel like I need something to work a certain way. And they've been very, you know, I like getting on those groups because not only do I get to see the sneak peek of what it's going to work, what it's going to look like when it's time to roll it out to our facilities. Again, I teach it. So I'd like to be very aware of what it's going to look like. 
but I also like the fact that I can put my own input in and actually see that transform into real time. Just to give a little bit of reference for someone who doesn't have experience cares their EHR, since I work in marketing, I have a Facebook group for a software company that I work with. And all we do, we kind of use it as like the experience care user group. All we do is we're pretty much telling the software company where we want their roadmap to go. And I feel like that's what you all do well inside of experience care user group. Would you agree? I do. That leads me to Aisha. What is something that you've asked for in a user group in the last six or nine months? And you know that they listen to it and it's either being worked on or you already got it back. And then tell me how it affected your work. The change with point of care, the implementation of the Cardex being on point of care, which is actually going to be the next rollout update. That Cardex is pretty much exactly what we use in our facilities on paper. So immediately that started becoming a work in progress. We kept in communication with what we wanted added. I even noticed last week from the user group, we had me and one of the other ladies had some recommendations on the point of care part of the Cardex. And it was good to see that today, those changes were already made that quick. I feel like if there were a baseball card for uh, experience care, you get to sign it as being, being the author <laughs> of the Cardex then, the Cardex baseball card. Oh, no. I mean, it, a lot of people had their input there, but it was just good to see that those changes in our recommendations, if it's something that they can do, it gets done. I think the reason that the topics of interesting to me, because whether or not the listener is working with a competitor of experience care or not, I feel like when you're dealing with such a complex system of electronic health records, you really need to lean on your peers in the industry, even if they're not at your facility, for you to move forward and figure out how to make the workflow more efficient for your needs. Yeah, I feel like with, and plus with certain Every company, you know, some EHRs are set in stone. This is the way our system runs. This is the way it is. This is what you get. And unfortunately, long-term care does not work like that. There's forever changes, ever-evolving doors. And with experienced care, they're able to change and roll with us just as fast as we ask them, hey, we need this now because the regs have changed. What are the biggest mistakes that you see, Charles, when facilities start to set up their workflow with their EHR and then they have to go back and make corrections? I think if they don't look at the processes that are in place and make sure they cover all the bases, they end up having to go back and redo it. But the biggest mistake they could make is making the EHR do something that makes the work harder. If you look hard enough, you can usually find a better workaround. Not always. There's been a few cases where it just is what it is. It takes that many clicks. But when you start looking at how many pieces of paper and chasing charts, it, it weighs itself out. But that's the biggest thing. If you don't look at the whole process and everybody's needs on that, like, do you need a report on this? Who needs to get that message? That gets everybody frustrated, and that's the biggest mistake. Can we get into the, to the weeds on that? Can you give me an example of either something that you've done where you were trying to force something or you've seen as director of customer success where they were forcing something that made them work harder? Probably around the assessments, the UDAs. There, there's so many data points that we need to get for different reasons. And I had made a bunch of the fields required fields. And then I found out kind of after I hadn't really thought it all the way out because I would have them like 10 options. You've got to pick one of these. Maybe there was another option I hadn't thought about. And so, so I learned real quickly not to work in silos, but that was probably the one where I kind of pushed 
was like, I got to have you answer this question and then had to go back and redo a lot of work. So, so I kind of paid the price for that, but they, they did too, because now they were having to answer a question. They didn't really feel comfortable choosing that response. Aisha, what role on the floor is most benefited by the implementation of a great EHR? The nurses, the nurses, if everybody is using the EHR to its total functionality, assessing it, going through the processes, the nurse's job eases up 100%. Do you have peers outside of your organization, outside of your facility that aren't using it 100% and you either sit down and you're like, what's going on? Were you not trained? Do you have a boss who doesn't make, un- explain how this is done or they just don't see the, the effectivity? Well, I actually have trained a nurse at one of our facilities who worked at another company also who used experienced care, but they only used it for like MedPass. There was nothing else that they used it for. So once I started training her on all the other, you know, things that she will be doing in our system, her reaction was, oh my God, this is so much easier. I wish that we had been doing this in the system. This makes more sense. Why her company didn't do it? She didn't know why they didn't transfer over, but she was very happy to see that there were ways to do it electronically, but she never could tell me why they didn't. I don't think she was at the level where she kind of knew why they didn't use it fully, but she was very happy to see that a lot of other stuff could be done with the same exact system she was using merely just for men. At the higher level, Charles, what do you think is the aspect of any HR experience care or its competitors that is the most underutilized. We all have tools. We all have Excel and Microsoft PowerPoint and Outlook, and we're always not using all of our tools. What is the part of the tool in EHR that you think is most underutilized? They don't make it into their workflow. They treat it like this other thing that we do. We still do these meetings and we do these forms, but then we also document here. That's the piece. If you don't make it part of the workflows, and it is more work, and now you've stressed your staff even further. I've heard a couple of complaints because I interview, I don't know, over 100 CEOs or presidents, and I ask a lot of them over the last six months, what is it that they least like about their EHR? And a lot of them tell me that it has to do with the training or that they have such a staffing issue, therefore they have a turnover problem, therefore they have a training issue. Where does the EHR industry need to go? Not just experience care, but where do we need to be three years from now so we continue to improve the quality of care? I think that is still related to the workflow because if the system makes sense to the end user, so if I'm a nurse and it talks in terms of nurse things, a good example, the user group, when I first got their assessments were called UDAs. Well, floor nurse doesn't know what UDA stands for. It stands for user-defined assessment. That's a computer lingo, right? So the guys that designed the system did it without input from nurses. And the user group got them to change that to assessments. And then e-charting, well, that's actually Mars and TARS and MedPass. We got them to change it to MedPass. And it's just that simple. It's like, you know, we would get calls. Where do I do this assessment? Oh, you do it under UDA. And we got to do that teaching. Well, now they can find it. It's like being able to find it is, what's that word? Just discoverability. I hear all the programmers talking about it. That's the biggest challenge too, I think. I know that in the next six months, you're working hard on online training, in-person training for different P 
peers in the industry to understand different concepts, but also better use their EHR. What's on the top of your list that you're building out in the next couple of months, both for experience care, but also for anyone outside of experience care? We kind of hit it on it a while ago is, is using the EHR in your meetings and making that time productive time. In a paper world, you would come in and you would talk about what needs to be done. Everybody goes to their office and, and does it. So I hope to be able to teach everybody how to do that in real time while you're in the room, which means everybody needs laptops. But I think we're getting to that point that they're cheap enough. The other one is reimbursement. I have a good friend and she says she wants the residents to have the good bacon. And I love that quote, but the only way you get to buy the good bacon is because you got reimbursement. So that's the two probably biggest areas I want to focus on. And every EHR has potentials for those things. And, and I'm hoping that if I can say, well, if you have a dashboard, if you have this, then let's set up this alert. And now you can capture that and do that. Aisha, in terms of staffing, I'm sure you have direct reports that, uh, and you see that everyone's short on time. Everyone needs more in-depth training in certain areas. Where do you hope online training is built out, especially in the last year with COVID where people can't do in-person training. There's not an opportunity for an EHR company to go in and sit at your facility like what you guys did at Care Center six years ago. What training are you looking for, Aisha? Well, when COVID hit, we actually created PowerPoints for how to do everything in our system for every department. So that kind of helped with the training. But where I would like to see the training kind of go is I think kind of in the direction that experience care is kind of going right now with the interactive training where someone can go sit down at the computer, say, I am a nurse, and it give them all the different kind of walkthrough trainings, interactive trainings for their role. So that way, when there is a case that someone cannot be there to hands-on train you or one-on-one -on -one train you, that ability is right there to walk you straight through what you need to do as a nurse in that facility or as a dietary manager in that facility, or so on and so forth. I appreciate you all starting off at the very basic 101 level of EHR and why it's helpful, you know, getting into the weeds of the process that you all did to, you know, make care centers more efficient and deliver better care. Is there anything in the work that you two did together or with electronic health records that we haven't covered and that I should ask you about? I don't think we've talked about hardware much, Everybody, it's funny because initially they're worried, well, how are we going to keep these from getting stolen? They actually don't get stolen and computers are cheap enough. And if your EHR system can use a Chromebook, more computers out there is better. I think they underestimate the hardware needs. We didn't really touch on that. Actually, we don't see hardware disappear because somebody took it home. What we see is just in the normal course of work, stuff gets dropped and it gets broken or they're plugged into the wall and they take off with the med cart and now the power pack gets ripped apart. That's the kind of damage we see. So I would say don't be afraid of It's not a big issue like everybody was worried. Aisha, anything that we haven't covered that you think you'd like to highlight? Not that I can think of, just I highly recommend EHR. I mean, it's a process to get it started, but once you're in it, from working on the floor in it to moving on, and especially at a consultant level where I have 10 buildings underneath me, it's a godsend. I don't have to go to 10 different buildings. I can look at those 10 different buildings from exactly where I'm at. I can see who's done what in the system. If I need to see who added something or who looked at something, I can look at that from my office and be looking at a facility in Memphis nine hours away. So I highly recommend if you're still on paper, get away from it. 
Well, I know that there's still people on paper because I hear about it when I'm in meetings at Experience Care. So your recommendation is appreciated and is being heard. Well, thank you both. And I'll put in the show notes, the place where you're putting your coursework, Charles, under levelup.experience.care. Is that right? Levelup.experience.care. There'll be more courses, I'm sure, over the next couple of months. Thank you both for joining. I know that there are going to be listeners who are going to want to reach out to you all for the tag team duo of how to best implement EHR to its fullest. Aisha, where can listeners find you online? I'm in LinkedIn, Aisha Bradley. It's A-Y-I-S-H-A Bradley. Look me up. Be happy to answer any questions or talk to you. I know that for a fact because the first time I emailed you, you replied within 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Charles, where's the best place to find you, you online? LinkedIn for me as well. Just look up Charles Oliver and just look for the bald guy with the bow tie. That's the same. (laughs) I'll put both of your links in the show notes. Thank you all so much. And thank you for joining LTC Heroes and look forward to talking to you soon on the user group. Thanks. Night. Bye-bye. Visit ltcheroes.com to join our Facebook group for nurses and our exclusive LinkedIn group for LTC owners. Visit ltcheroes.com for your exclusive access today. This episode was brought to you by Experience.Care, the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit Experience.Care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today.